Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another episode. This week, we do ARCs Burn the Sun. But before we get there, let me apologize, because last night I went to a wedding, and although I behaved myself, I've never heard a musical act so loud as I did last night. There was a DJ, there was a band, and it was louder than some Manowar concerts that I've been to. But if I sound terrible, it was just a function of me screaming over the top of this band last night. How are you? Uh, well, better than you, it would seem. <laughs> yeah, I, it was a, it was a, it was fun wedding, good time, but um, my voice is shot, and here we are recording. But um, I'm happy to. I be mean, if here. it was, I mean, I thought the band at Nick's wedding was pretty loud. So if this if this band was oh, louder than that, thing. The, the, Nick's Nick's band sounded like um, a one man acoustical guitar show compared to what I had to endure last night. Who was the band? Symphony X. Uh, we'll we'll get to them later, uh, and they are notoriously loud. But it it was. Um, it was it was something I'll, I'll tell you that, and unfortunately, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't play Divine Wings of Tragedy, so I was a little bit upset. But not my wedding, so it is what it is. Let me ask you this: Have you heard anything good this week? Uh, yeah, I, I I had mentioned to you earlier before we went on the air that um I just feel like there's been this uh, this glut of releases lately, singles and full albums, and um I, I uh, grabbed just this week alone um. There was a new album by uh, Lords of Black, which I um, I'm actually doing a much better job at listening to stuff as it comes out. Um, so uh, I grabbed the new Lords of Black album, which um, I thought was quite good. Um, I was a little disappointed in their previous release. I thought that the um, thought that the production was kind of tinny. Like uh, I, I just wasn't a big fan of just how it sounded, which I think kind of ruined for me what was a really solid uh you know album musically um this one seems to have they've gotten kind of that punch back um and the album's called alchemy of souls part two um i i was kind of surprised that the first alchemy of souls didn't make it onto my top list from last year and i think it was that production that kind of disqualified it um so yeah i kind of uh I kind of like this one a bit more. Did you get a chance to listen to this one? Yeah, I thought this was definitely a return to form. I thought their first couple of albums sounded really good, and and I was very disappointed by the last one. I I did not enjoy it. I listened to it once, and I never picked it up again just because I couldn't – sonically, it didn't sound good, and I didn't think the songwriting was anything to write home about. This one I thought was very good, dense, uh, kind of a long listen, but – a solid, solid album um, that I really enjoyed, and it was kind of a return to form for them. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I also listened to. Uh, I'm going through my list here. Um, the new Brainstorm album for the first time, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, they've always been a band that I didn't really pick up their their new albums when they came out, but I was really digging the singles, so I grabbed it and. Um, I liked it a lot, but um, I think my favorite album that I listened to was the new Leverage album, Above the Beyond. Um, what a catchy band. I, you turned me on to them years ago, and um, I just find that like their songs are just really, um, just like, they really get your, your, your foot tapping. I mean, it's just really catchy, kind of melodic power metal, I guess would be how I would, uh, how I would define them, but um, I, I enjoyed this one a lot. I think it's probably going to crack its way into my uh, best of list for the year. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, I haven't heard it yet. I am so, so curious. I, I had a, every intention of listening to it yesterday, but the day kind of got away from me. Um, 
and, and I've, I've heard great, great things about this album and being a fan of the band for as long as I have, uh, I heard this could be their best. So I'm, I'm very, very curious to hear it. Yeah. And then there was one other thing I just found out about yesterday and I grabbed it, but I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but it has my attention because it is a, what appears to be a Back to the Future themed album, um, it's by the band Skeleton, and the album's called the 1.21 Gigawatts Club. And all of the song titles are definitely an homage to all the Back to the Future movies. So I don't know if this is like a direct like retelling of or just a tribute. Um, but uh, I mean, as a fan of those movies, I, I am looking forward to listening to songs like pleasure paradise ooh la la and uh, we don't need roads the great scott madness so um plus a cover of johnny be good so um if this doesn't get your blood going i i don't know what will this sounds like it's yeah. right up your alley so i'll definitely be of, listening to this like this joke, week they're kind of like a joke power metal band in many respects but they they seem to do what they do really really well so it should be uh it should be interesting i've not heard that either but I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Yeah, I think their their whole thing is like they're kind of like a it's like a tribute to the eighties because like their first album was kind of like a Goonies tribute, and this new album is a back to the, kind of a Back to the Future. And um, not entirely sure if the second album Nemesis was based on anything. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but um, they're they're definitely catchy. Like their songs are really fun and, and enjoyable, and I, I guess kind of the band trick-or-treat comes to mind where it's just, it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, definitely good stuff. I, 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 I haven't heard the new stuff, as I said, but it's something to check out. I, I just wanted to mention a couple of things this week that I heard or stumbled upon that I kind of really enjoyed. The first thing I heard was this band called Asakaru. Um, I thought they were going to be Japanese, but it's actually just the name of the guitar player, Oz Asakaru. They're kind of a Swedish melodic AOR type, uh, melodic metal AOR type thing going on, but they do it really, really well. Um, if you like that, like eclipse melodic hard rock sound, I think that they are in the same vein to say the least. Um, and I heard a song called Shut It Out, which I thought was really, um, really, really good. Um, so I wanted to pitch that. I think they have a new album coming out called Starbound. Um, in the same vein, but a little more uh, sleazy, if you will, a band called Toxic Rose came out with an album called In For The Kill. I thought that that was interesting. I don't think it was my album of the year, but it was an interesting, interesting uh, take on, on, on kind of that melodic metal style, which, which we uh, both enjoy quite a bit. So I wanted to mention that. And the third thing that I wanted to mention was a prog metal album that I was blown away by. And I, I only heard one track, but that which I heard was incredible. The band is called Altesia, A-L-T-E-S-I-A, and they're a French prog metal band. They just came out with a new album called Embryo, and I heard a 21-minute song called Exit Initia. I think it's the last track on the album. I have to get my hands on this album. They Their previous release came out in 2019. It was called Paragon Circus. And these guys sound like a mix between Opeth and Haken. All the, you know, uh, you know, all those prog metal bands that, you know, people seem to gravitate toward and some of the bigger bands in the genre. That debut release was amazing. I had no idea that these guys were coming out with anything new. So I stumbled upon this and... Right off the bat, I said to myself, if, if this one long song is any indication, you're talking about a, uh, a possible top 10 disc. That's how good uh, that track was. And what the biggest kind of sin of them all, 
I went on YouTube to hear this and it had 14 plays. I will definitely post oh this track. Uh, it, yeah, I, I, I say this only because it was. I, I can't believe that something of this magnitude is just not. Please, please tell me it was like released like ten minutes before you listened to it. It was released uh, a couple of days before, but it, it, there's still four. You know, you see other bands they release a single and they get forty thousand hits in minutes. These guys are fantastic, and they got. They're just not getting the the love, so I'll, I'll definitely post something by them this week. Well, Nops, you know what to do. I already sent him an email, so he's, <laughs> I already sent him a, a private message with it. So uh, I think he'll definitely enjoy it. But let's get to the reason why we're here. La- last week we obviously uh, had some great reviews and, and and enjoyed our discussion with Roland Grappo from Master Plan, talking about their debut album. But before there was Master Plan, there was Ark, uh, another Yorn uh, Land uh, project, if you will. This one, a little less melodic and power metal and a lot, a lot more quirky and prog metal. So um, before we get into this, had you heard of these guys prior to me bringing it up to you? They've been around for 20 years, and the album that we're talking about came out in 2001. So again, we're going back quite a ways with this. What was your first exposure to these guys? Um, you know, I'd heard, I knew of them. I knew Yorn was their singer. I knew they played at Prague Power. I think was it Prague Power Two? That's right. Um, and I had the album just because it was so many people always said it was such a strong album. But I, I don't, and I probably listened to it a couple of times, but it just never really, never really clicked. So I'm glad that uh, you chose it. Um, you know, just, especially because we had Yorn Land on the brain. Um, I, 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 I think that this for me was like, uh, an album I really needed to let marinate. And, and so I'm glad that I took the time. I listened to it. Uh, I think I listened to it six times this week, actually. Okay. I, yeah. and, and in full disclosure, we have not discussed anything about this album. So I, I actually don't know what you think, uh, about it. So I'm, I'm very curious. We'll get right into it. This, this band formed in 1999. It was kind of a, 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 brainchild of Johnny Macaluso, drummer for a whole slew of bands, TNT, uh, Ingve at one point, Riot, uh, other bands as well. He teams up with Tor Osby from Conception and DC Cooper's fame, which is uh, obviously how we, I, I think, both came to know his work. And then they bring on Yorn Land as kind of like the third piece of the puzzle before bringing on Randy Coven, who had played with Steve Vai and Steve Morse. And Matt Allison, the former Ingve keyboardist, the, the last two of which actually passed away after the release of this album. Um, they're no longer with us, but I, it's kind of a super group of sorts when you have these five guys together and they make their debut album. It's a self-titled album, which came out in 1999. I'll talk very briefly about that later, but uh, Burn the Sun comes out two years after that. Well, well said. Uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't heard the um, the debut. Um, and I'll just I'll, I'll use this as a segue. I, I have uh, this debate with with one friend of mine who thinks the debut is actually better than than what I made you listen to this week. It is a very good album. It too suffers from a lot of the production issues that some of those albums in the mid to late '90s suffered from. Um, definitely worth a listen. There's some standout tracks on there for sure. Um, but to me, the burn the sun was always like kind of 
the better of the two. And, and really, you saw the progression from, from the debut to this new album two years later. Unfortunately, it would also prove to be the band's final release. They never came out with anything after this. Uh, I'll touch upon that a little bit more later as well. But, um, you know, it's it's funny because the first album I had never even heard of, I had actually heard of Burn the Sun and kind of worked my way backwards, uh, as many people did, because I don't know that that got quite the the volume or, or exposure that, that Burn the Sun did. But when, when this album hit in 2001, you know, Yorn had become a kind of a household name at this point. A lot, you know, he had, I think he was... Um, working, you know, he had done the Beyond Twilight stuff, which I had mentioned. Uh, and ultimately, he was with Millennium and some other bands as well. And obviously, his solo career, this is kind of when he was taking off and the band as a, as a whole really just kind of hit their groove. They toured for this album. It was it was different as opposed to say, um, you know, the debut where again, I don't think anyone was really listening to them at, the t- at that time. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that that probably that debut album probably was kind of a lot of people's first time hearing Yorn's vocals. And I thought it was such a, I, I love that you chose this because I think it's so great to kind of, um, to, to compare this to his vocal performance on the, the master plan album that we talked about last week, because these albums are, they couldn't be more different. There's just totally different musical styles. And the fact that Yorn is, is he thrives in, in both types of, musical environments is a i think a testament to his his versatility as a singer yeah yeah and and i guess i was kind of on his um onto his work before this album came out insofar as again i was a big fan of uh the devil's hall of fame by beyond twilight and i had gone to see ingve malmstein in december of 2000 and Ingve fired his vocalist. I don't. I don't remember if it was Matt Levin or whoever it was at the time. I could look it up. I, I won't. But it's it's December of two thousand, and this guy Jorn Land comes in and does two weeks of lead vocals for Ingve Malmsteen. And I happened to be at one of those shows in New York City, uh, and I just remember saying to myself, "This guy is not just great on on the studio stuff, but his vocals, you know, live are just." phenomenal I, I i couldn't believe it and then this arc album came out shortly thereafter so i was on this as soon as it came out awesome i i, I this was kind of again during like my lost metal years like so if if like it wasn't by a band i had heard of at the time i probably wasn't going to listen to it um i got into so few bands during that little era like dragon force and power quest were a couple of them but like it was just like you know, Dream Theater has a new album, grab that. Halloween has a new album, grab that. Um, Master Plan was one of those rare ones too, just because of the, the personnel involved. But, um, yeah, this was like, it, it's pretty crazy that this came out 20 years ago and I'm, I'm listening to it, like really listening to it for the first time. Yeah, uh, and I just want to make one correction. I, I actually thought that Beyond Twilight album had come out in 2000. It actually came out in 2001, the same time as this. So Yorn had been on my radar, but both of these albums that I had mentioned came out after seeing him live with Ingve, but that's a slight, slight correction. But Tied, to your point, I know this was kind of your lost period, but this is such a contrast to Master Plan. It's it's sounds nothing like it. Um and obviously other than the vocals on top. Um what were your initial impressions before we kind of deep you know do a deep dive into into the tracks themselves? Well I, I will I'm gonna actually kind of circle back to a, a- probably about a month before we did our first episode of this podcast. And 
because it was funny when I went to this album and my iTunes had said the last time I listened to the album in full was in, uh, if we started the podcast in October of last year, so it might've been like August or September. And I, and the only reason I probably put it on was because you told me to. <laughs> so yeah, well, in many ways, this was a precursor to the podcast, right? It was right. And, that, like- and that's why, I, that's why I bring it up because it was kind of like, it was just one of those things where you would reach out to me and just be like, uh, go back and listen to this album if, if, it, if you're not familiar with it, because you should be. And, and I probably did. And I listened to it once and I was probably working and I wasn't paying close attention. And so like, I, I don't know that it really grabbed me at all. And I felt the same way, like the first time I listened to it this week. And then each day, the more and more I listened to it, the more and more it, it grew on me. And I, I ended up liking it a lot. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. You had obviously known a lot of the conception of material with that Torosby wrote. Um, did do you kind of look at this as an extension of that band, or do you view this as kind of something kind of out, you know, way out there? Because obviously Johnny Macaluso is a beast on this album, and some of the, his drum fills are just like mind blowing. But there are definitely conception undertones throughout this whole thing. No, I definitely agree. Like, I don't think that this is like conception part two, but Tori Osby's like uh, influence is definitely felt. And and it's interesting because, you know, when Khan left or when conception broke up and Khan joined Camelot, I, I never really stopped to think about what the rest of the guys in conception were doing at that time. Um, and so clearly this was what uh, Tori Osby was um focusing on and and you could tell there's certain songs i think that um just pull right from that conception style um but i mean i guess that's to be expected when you consider you know i i presumably he he was doing a lot of the songwriting so i mean it makes sense that it would be reminiscent to that older conception material i yeah, i i completely agree and 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 heal the waters which is the opening track on this album is I think one of those tracks that are very much in that vein starts off with like a really, really awesome drum fill and just has one of the most memorable choruses on the album. You can tell right away, as far as I'm concerned, that this is um, you, that you really have five guys that are kind of like the masters of their craft. And I say that because this song has some of the most unique and subtle bass lines that really kind of drive the song. Tour is nothing but a maestro. It, in terms of not only some of the acoustic guitar that appears later on the album, but some of this heavier stuff that that's on a track like Heal the Waters. Um, I, I just, I, it hits you right away. And I, I can't even imagine anybody but Yorn singing on this album just because it fits his vocal styles so perfectly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, he, he jumps right in with like the, that kind of, I don't know if you want to call it like like scatting, but I mean he's just kind of like you know I'm I'm not going to do it justice clearly, but um you know it's almost Ingve esque. It kind of makes sense that he would have a stint singing with Ingve because it kind of reminded me a bit of like a Ingve vocalist and like a real vocalist, not Ingve himself trying to <laughs> warble his way through another poorly produced album. Um, that neither here nor there, I suppose. But um, yeah, this is this is an actual singer singing quite well. So yeah, it's 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 fantastic. There's an instrumental section of this song 
where and I'm and the guitar players out there will will criticize my description, but he's he's <laughs> Corey is doing this like amazingly fast like picking of the guitar, not shredding, but the way he just kind of picks at the picks at the guitar. It's it's so incredibly fast. It's things like that that just make this album, along with obviously the drum fills on this. There's one thing that happens where you hear like the sound of a coin that's kind of dropping on a table or a something, something, a hard surface. And, and I, I just want to come out and say it. The production on this album is literally, I think it's my favorite sounding album of any album I've ever heard. Literally, number one. I, I've yet to find an album that I enjoy more just in terms of the way this sounds. I cannot get over how good this sounds for an album that's 20 years old. And and that coin kind of dropping and, and kind of ricocheting on top of the hard surface I, I is a testament to, to how just great this album sounds. Is it a quarter or a nickel? I can't tell. It <laughs> sounds like it could be one or the other. It's definitely I thought not it was a penny a or a dime. To be honest with you, I oh. think it, it was a little girthier to me, so I was going to say <laughs> half dollar. But again, being that this was probably recorded in uh, you know in Norway, I, God only knows what what coin it was, but it's it, it had some mass to it. I think I think maybe John Macaluso had a half dollar in his pocket. You might really be onto something there. This is the kind of stuff we dig into here on the metal. <laughs> uh, a phenomenal track, and I can't think of a better way to open it, in my opinion. Yeah, I like this song a lot. Um, I mean, this is going to be just. I like all the songs. I'm just going to come right out and say <laughs> this album's which, awesome. Which again, but, um, I, for an al- which is great because for an album that I had, you hadn't really kind of done the dive into that I've done for 20 years. It's I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Torn, the second track, has this kind of futuristic sound going on where a lot of these tracks do. This is a really quirky one. Uh, again, some awesome bass lines that, that open the, the, the album and it kind of reminds you of being in outer space, which given the, the title of the album, Burn the Sun, I guess it's not too, uh, surprising. This, makes me think of how just unique this band sounds. Johnny Macaluso would later record with a band called Stone Leaders and I had mentioned them God, it's got to be over six months ago now. Uh, and, and they are probably the closest thing to the arc sound. Uh, and obviously Macaluso being the link between the two, but it's, it's as much as they try, it's something I guess is just missing there as much as I enjoy it. This, this track is, is, is about as weird as it gets, but as weird as it is, it's, it's oddly accessible. Would you agree with that? Yes. Um, I mean, it takes a little. I mean, for me, it took a few listens, but I mean, it's definitely, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I got a message from Knops on Monday and he was like, Ark is awesome. And I presume at that point he had only listened to it the one time. So, um, I mean, I'll tell you right there. Yeah. Um, Torn was my favorite song on the album, actually. Nice. I, I, it's a song that like stuck in my head. Um, Thank you. 
So yeah, it's it's going to be my song of the week for sure. But I I, I just find myself kind of gravitating back to this. Um, the uh, I love the bass work. Uh, the bass work on this song is really strong. At the beginning of the song, it kind of reminds me of of conception, which I'm sure we'll mention several times throughout. But um, and then there's just like this weird, this weird <laughs> section at the end where like, like I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? But I, I knew that, I knew you were going to say that, and it sounds like complete <laughs> gibberish, right? Like it's just, I mean, complete gibberish. I, I don't know if I, all of a sudden there's like a Frank Zappa album that came on. I, I had no idea what was going on here, but it's awesome. And like, so oddly catchy. And I just, I, it brings a smile to my face. It's weird, but it's totally enjoyable. I thought we were at a, a morgable concert. <laughs> Got need a couple of vowels uh, in there. I think, um, fantastic tune. I'm happy it's your, your song of the week because I, I, I wasn't sure what you would think of a track like that, but being that it's your song of the week, I thought you pretty, think you probably thought pretty highly of it. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. Good stuff. Burn, Burn the Sun is probably their most well-known tune. Um, I think I had heard this in and around the time that the album first came out, and it starts with an awesome guitar solo, uh, one of many on this disc, but it's not overdone. Um, they're not on every song, but it's done very well here. And I think Jorn's vocals during the verses here just all show off his kind of range and versatility, which I love. Um, th- this easily could have been a conception tune like many of the others but a great one and i find this to be just a real classic track and and there are certain songs that kind of bring you back to a time and place and this brings me back to my early college years my friends were not listening to arc my friends were not listening to labyrinth and my friends were not listening to skylark they were listening to if it had a guitar they probably weren't listening to it but i I, you know I, i listen to this stuff nonstop, and this album is still in rotation for me today i mean there's a lot of albums that i kind of stopped listening to over the years this one i still play regularly just because i think it's so deep and every time i listen to it i feel like i hear more stuff that i just never heard the previous listen and no different this week having listened to it a half dozen times myself um just a really really awesome track and and, and kind of takes me back um with just a phenomenal instrumental section here as well i I think this would be the track where if I, if I had to send somebody one track from this album to give them a little taste, this probably would be it. I feel like it's maybe the most like radio friendly song. It has a really catchy chorus. Um, I, I think that this might be like a good representation of the band in a general way for a band that doesn't really have a very specific sound. No, um, no, it's almost hard to describe, right? Because like each of these songs is so kind of quirky and weird and we're not even, you know, we're only scratching the surface. I could talk about how there's like spoken word passages in this song with this, this girl with a British accent, kind of like, I, I don't know, it's, it's just all over the place. But for some reason, it's just so tight and the songwriting is so good here that it like somehow it works together. Um, I agree with you. This, this, if I was going to play one track for someone that never heard the band, that would be it. I, I agree completely. Yeah. Um, so so far, three for three. Um, I, I this and I'll, I'll say this: like this is probably going to be an album I'm going to go back to. Um, I just it's it's again, and I say this a lot, but it, it's it's almost like getting a, a re-education in in stuff that kind of passed me by in, in past years, uh, Anthrax notwithstanding. Um, <laughs> it's been so, a lot of years. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so that, um, yeah, again, like super glad that, um, I got a yeah. chance to, to listen to this because all these songs are great. So it's, is that a hint for next week? We're doing another Anthrax album. I just want to be, no, clear. we're doing Ark's first album. Actually. Oh, there you go. I, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, what did you think of resurrection, which is another, uh, quirky tune? Um, I, I, I like how I, I want to mention first that like, I like how a lot of these songs are kicked off by a little like drum solo by John Macaluso. I mean, if you're going to have a guy with his ilk as a drummer in the band, you should take advantage. And I think that they do. And again, like this has kind of a conception feel to it at first. And it starts out kind of mellow. Um, one of the things that we hadn't mentioned yet that I really like about this album is their use of um, of that like Spanish guitar sound, and I feel like you're getting it for the first time w- with this song. And, and there's other songs coming up that use it even more, but um, I love that it kind of gives it a little bit of of a kind of like a funky kind of flamenco kind of feel to it. And so this I is was, another. I was saving cool... it for just a little, but. I'm glad you mentioned it. I think it's one of the elements on this album which just shows off Tor's versatility uh, because to be able to play that flamenco style guitar on a, on a class on an acoustic guitar and then in the next breath be able to just rip uh, those those like those, just those, that fast picking of the guitar. It's it's quite the contrast and it's kind of interesting because before Conception got back together. He was very quiet. Uh, he wasn't really releasing albums, right? So, like, it's just a pleasure to be able to hear him uh, play again with Conception. And going back to this album, I would argue that this is maybe his best work as a guitar player on this album. Yeah, but I, I think because he has more of a chance to kind of be uh, do more unique things and not have to kind of follow a, a, the Conception formula, I guess. Um I agree with you there. Um, I thought of our friend Brian. I feel like he would enjoy this album a lot because of that, just of the, the, the quality of the musicians and, and the, the, especially the guitar parts. Um, I, I think, uh, if he's listening to this episode, I think he should go and listen to the whole album. So I think you'd enjoy it, Brian. Totally, totally agree. And, and Resurrection is one of those tunes where it starts off a little bit slowly with that drum solo that you mentioned. You, you think it's going to be a ballad at first, but it slowly gets heavier. I love the lyrics on this song. One particular line, Don't Wake Me If I'm Dreaming, which always stood out to me. And I, I, I think that the way Jordan sings it is just kind of like, you know, kind of makes the hair on my arms raise. I just, I think it's a fantastic, fantastic tune. And I also love how like the final chorus changes ever so slightly from the other ones in both in terms of the guitar and the drum work, obviously still the chorus, but there's that subtle change there. just kind of like mixes it up a little bit. Um, I will say that when I was younger, I used to think that some of that older conception material was my favorite conception material. But as I've gotten older, flow is actually my favorite conception album. And this was just like a extension of flow. And I think maybe that's part of the reason why I love the album and just how kind of the ending fades out with that guitar solo. Uh, I love it. And, and it's a song that I wish I could hear live, but since I can't, I'll just make it my song of the week because I'll get to listen to it again. I love this track. Seems so bright. 
awesome. That's, uh, that's very cool. Um, I, uh, Shout out to, I, I actually sent this song to, not this song, but uh, the song you mentioned, uh, Conception's Flow album, which was their their final album in 1998 until they would get back together, you know, almost 20 years later. But um, the song Cardinal Sin is, yes. it's probably my favorite Conception song, but it's one of my favorite songs by any band. It is such a good song. Um, just a little sidebar there. And I love... Uh, I love uh, Roy Kahn's vocals um, on that. And uh, another sidebar to a sidebar, Roy Kahn will be on the uh, the next Star One album uh, yes. that was announced this week. So um, there's there you go. There's a uh, six sidebar degrees, to a sidebar. Six degrees of Roy Kahn right there. Um, I love it. I, I look forward to that. That's a story for another day. I also note as an anecdote, we have not covered a conception album, which is criminal in and of itself. So we, we, we have to definitely do that. But um yeah, it's just, just just great stuff here. Um, and then we get to Absolute Zero, which is a song that I probably liked the least when I was a kid. And, and hearing this album, I just thought it was like, obviously a cool nod to science, but just all over the place. But it, this one grew on me big time. And I think as I've gotten older, I've really started to appreciate this. Um, the bass lines here, again, Randy Coven, man, I, it is a sin that he did not get to play on more stuff. The guy, uh, he's probably most known for his work with Holy Mother. Um, and he, and he's obviously worked with Ingve a little bit. I think he recorded, um, live with him back in 2009. I played on some of the Vitaly Kupri material. His, you know, he's the famous pianist guitar, solo material. But other than that, you really didn't hear about this guy. And you say to yourself, how could that be? Um, this guy is just an absolute monster uh, on the bass. Um, a, a quirky tune, but it, it's there's a charm to it that I that I definitely have grown to appreciate over time. I think that, believe it or not, and I probably won't say this again, but this had kind of a master plan vibe to it, and maybe just because Yorn was singing on it. But I mean, I got like some of the the master plan material that's not as like kind of happy power metal that's more of an on the darker side i feel like, like that burn kind of, or something like that yeah this kind of gave me a little bit um it almost like conception meets master plan the like master plan's dark side um i don't know i don't know why it just that kind of uh kind of hit me um yeah this is a cool song too definitely probably like one of the more technical songs on the album. And I agree the the bass work is, is very strong. Um, probably not the most accessible song. Like you said, like you didn't like it when you were younger and stuff. And I can understand why, but um, it's cool because um, I just think it's just another example of how varied this album can be. Yeah. And I think there's, depending on your mood, there's something for everyone. The closest comparison I guess I could make was a prog metal band from like the early 2000s. And they, I think they, I, I don't know if they've released an album in the last 10 years, a band called Andromeda. Ironically, kind of the same type of theme here with this outer space stuff, but they, 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 the way that Absolute Zero is structured, um, kind of reminds me of the way that they structured some of their songs and they were making music at the same time. So I don't know if there was any connection there, but that's kind of what I noticed. Um, whereas the next track, Just a Little, is extremely accessible. This, you want to talk about tracks that bring you back. This track 
um, I have like a Pavlovian response to this track every time I hear it because when smartphones first became a th- – before smartphones, when you could make your own ringtones on like the flip phones, the guitar intro, that, that flamenco guitar intro to Just a Little was my ringtone. So every time without fail I hear this song, I reach for my phone because I think that it's ringing and this is – you're talking 16, 15 years later. It still does it but this track is Awesome. And it actually like makes you want to move. It makes you want to sway. It makes you want to dance. This is one of my all time favorite songs. Yeah. This was, I, I want to say this was my second favorite track on the album. I just think it's, it's, it's just great. Like, and, and you don't really hear a lot of metal songs that sound like this. Like, it, it's just very funky, very, that, that flamenco guitar is fantastic. Um, I totally hear you on the, the phone thing. I, I have songs like that. Um, my friend Amy, who's a, a is a fan of the show, um, uh, her ringtone on my phone is "The Gathering" by Delane. So when and it's the very beginning of the song with Marco singing that that first line. So like whenever I hear the beginning of that song, I'm like thinking that my phone is is ringing. Um, so yeah, I, I totally hear that. Um, but yeah, this was I like the song a lot. This is another one I think if you're gonna. I don't think this is a great representation of what the rest of the album sounds like, but if you want to just say like, Hey, listen to this arc song. I think you'll like it. I think most people would agree that it is really just a, a fun song and really a good, like a, just a really good listen. Yeah. Diversity here is, is, is the key. I, I cannot get enough of this song. I don't think it ever gets old. Um, and it was just nice to hear it again and again this week because I, I haven't forgotten about it. I just haven't listened to it in a little while, um, even though it remains in rotation for me. Waking Hour, another slow starter. The next track um, kind of reminds me of kind of laying on a quiet beach uh, just in terms of the ambiance of this thing. Really cool drum and key effects um, with, with Jorn's vocals kind of soaring over the top. Very, very reminiscent of Conception in certain sections of this song. Uh, I have little doubt that this was written during the flow period. Like, I don't know if some of the ideas were just never used and put on this album, but this easily could have been on flow as, as you know, right after Cardinal Sin, and I think it would have fit in perfectly. It's a it's a good tune. Yeah, I, I would not disagree with you at all. Um, I don't know that... It's probably not one of my favorite songs in the album, but I don't think there really are any, like, below-average songs anyway, so... Um, this is probably on the lower end for me, but again, it's still a very good song and another, another really good song on the album. And I definitely agree with you. There's definitely a, a late, well, I guess late conception would be now, but uh, <laughs> a late first era of conception kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And as an aside, I, I cannot wait to see that band live again. Uh, I had the pleasure of seeing them live uh, now over 15 years ago, and it's a long, long overdue trip back to the States for these guys. I, ne- I never thought that the first time I would see Roy Khan sing live would be with Conception, I, of, all yeah. the, of all the things. Uh, that it's um, you, you are in for a treat, and I'll just leave it at that, and we'll, we'll get more into that as, as, as the year rolls on. Um, Noose is the name of the next track, which is kind of the antithesis of that ambient w- waking hour beginning. This hits you like a ton of bricks right away. Oh, tell it's, me, tell me you didn't hear conception like seconds into the song. Oh this the, yeah. But, but not flow. This was like more of like roll the fire conception. Right, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like water confines type conception. This track um, is another accessible track. If you're a metalhead, right? Like this, no frills, 
thousand miles an hour, heavy. And, and I know a lot of people who just absolutely adore this track. Um, the, the, everything is on full display here. Obviously the guitars, uh, bass lines, a, 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 pl- a plenty throughout the entire thing. And the instrumental section here is one of the most conception sounding things. And I know we say that a lot. I have always thought this is an accessible track, a little bit repetitive, but uh, by no means a bad song. Very, very solid. Yeah, it might be the best uh, chorus on the album. A really just a strong, strong chorus. I, I, yes. I like this one a lot too. This was on the upper, the upper uh, list of the tracks that I really enjoyed from this. This is uh, higher up on that list. Maybe even the the third, my third favorite track. Yeah, it's 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 definitely accessible, and I I, I definitely would encourage people to hear it even if it's not our song of the week. They should play the whole thing in my in my opinion. Um, the next track is kind of a cheesy love song that's not overly no I should say I'll put it to you this way it's a it's a love song but it's not overly cheesy and the intro to feed the fire the the next track reminds me of the gin blossoms which I think is like really peculiar but every time they start that song I say to myself this is something that I was listening to in 1994 uh I I don't I don't know why but um I don't know it, it just has that like alternative 90s vibe to start uh, but what I love is that, that the, the imagery on this track, uh, I saw your face on a magazine. It's just like this upbeat love song, um, that's kind of underrated. Nobody ever talks about this track, but I think it's a really good one. I, I when it came on, I thought that I accidentally like put on another band. Like, yeah, I, totally, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you. It gave me this like early nineties, like alt rock kind of vibe. Um, yeah. it just was like out of, out of nowhere. I, I don't know if it. I don't know if it was Collective Soul or Soul Asylum, just one of those bands. I was just kind of like, and then 15 seconds in, Yorn starts singing. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's still Ark. I, um, I thought you skipped the track or something like that, and you hit shuffle by accident. And you're like, uh, but no, this is, it's it's Yorn for sure. And, and and it's, it's again, the diversity on this album is, I guess, part of the reason why it holds up for me. Every track is just so different from the last. And the way that they just kind of flow, no pun intended, together is what makes this album for me. Yeah. This could have been like a radio song. I mean, totally. not that there were any radio stations playing metal in 2001, but I mean, if, if there was a song from this album that would be more radio friendly, this one would probably be, be it. So, so as to not like gush over every track I bleed is probably my least favorite track on the album. Uh, it's, it's in a good spot, you know, kind of buried in, in the back so like a mid-paced bluesy rocker, very much in the Led Zeppelin vein, like like we we talked about with some of those sections last week with Master Plan. Um, there's one section in the song though, towards the end, where it, well, I guess, really more towards the middle, where they have this like Gates of Babylon by Rainbow type of feel, and then it goes right back into the song. Not my favorite song, uh, but certainly nothing that I would skip. It's just you know when you're when you're in an album with all these other things, it kind of loses something i guess compared to the rest yeah i agree with that with the rainbow comparison it's got the song just has kind of a dio-esque kind of feel to it it's not one of my favorites either but um i think you're right it, it was like well placed kind of towards the back end especially before the the longest uh most epic track um on the album missing you yeah this this is a weird track and this was another one that as a kid i i don't think I really enjoyed or maybe it's because you know it's the it's it's the longest song on the album it's over nine minutes long it's 
I, I, I don't know how to explain it other than it kind of, it, it used, I used to think that it dragged and now I have the complete opposite opinion. I think it's a phenomenal track that doesn't even feel as long as it is. Uh, but for the first two thirds of this song, it really is kind of a, a long ballad um, with, with phenomenal lyrics, but depressing, uh, obviously, you know, I, I mean, the title kind of gives a, gives, gives away the punchline here, I guess, but about two thirds of the way through the song, there's this awesome guitar-driven passage, and then the tune kind of picks up a little bit before reverting back to the way it is at the beginning. Uh, a cool tune that that kind of grew on me later in life. Yeah, I, this was one that didn't grab me immediately either, but the, the, as the week kind of went on, um, I ended up liking it quite a bit. Um, it's definitely, uh, you know, your, your lost love lyrical kind of material, um, but I feel like this song does do a little bit of everything that Ark's been doing on this album. Um, you know, it starts out, like you said, kind of slow, like a ballad, and then it kind of kicks up with some solos. And, I, you know, for a nine-minute song, I don't think that it drags at all. I, I'm with you 100% on that. So um, this is it's kind of like the last big song on the album because the last track, Silent is the Rain, is kind of short, under three minutes. It's almost kind of like a, an outro to, to the album. Yeah, and, and and believe it or not, there's a reason for that. This is actually a bonus track. So oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, the, the, and, and, and and it makes sense. So I'm glad you pointed it out. This is like a just kind of a cool acoustic guitar outro, if you will, with Yorn singing over the top. I love this song actually, but it's it it's 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 this is a bonus track. This is shouldn't be in the middle of the album. And I think it is well placed. Uh, but the actual the the original edition of this album didn't even have this song so that that should tell you something but it's oh. I, it's, it's it's cool I, I think it's a really cool track for what it is albeit short like you said yeah i thought that it fit right in with right at the end there like just kind of you know tying things up with a little and it's definitely uh a showcase for yorn's vocals like you could really really clearly just hear him go for it so yeah uh, and yeah and, i didn't know it was a bonus track that's cool yeah it's it's um it, it's I didn't know it for a while either, but when I first heard the track, I put two and two together, and I I actually bought this album Japanese twenty years ago. So my I think mine actually had the bonus track, but I didn't realize until later on that what it was. But I digress. Before we rate this album, and I'm kind of curious to see what, what you're going to rate it, but I just want to say one other thing, and I hope I'm not giving too much of a peek behind the curtain here. I have it on very good authority that there was other material written and recorded for a third master uh, sorry a third arc album and for whatever reason it just never saw the light of day and there's plenty of reasons for that i won't get into some of the details would that have been like because i had read that they were gonna re they tried to have a reunion in like 2011 or something and 2009 2011 for whatever reason it never quite happened uh my understanding was a lot of the material was written before that um I've never heard it, but I know that it exists because I know people have heard it. So I, I, I am envious, but I am—I I will say that uh, this stuff is exists, and I can only hope that one day it, it sees the light of day because I'm just dying to hear um, new material from this band because two albums wasn't enough in my opinion, and it's they kind of hit their peak here and fizzled out, and it's a shame in my opinion. What are you rating this album, scale of 1 to 10? Uh, I am going to give it a 8.5. Um, I, I thought it was great and, and 
I feel like you're uh, really bringing out the the prog metal uh, per- guy in me with some of these choices, and so uh, I I don't think I was expecting to like this album as much as I did, but just the the songwriting and the musicianship by everyone involved, I think it's just a very strong album, and, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Awesome, I'm I'm happy to hear that. This is a nine point five to me, and I think just a testament to the fact that I continue to play it to this day in in semi-regular rotation however I, I think i'll say it with this caveat not a perfect album there I, I think that it's not perfect uh but again the best sounding album i've ever heard and if i was going to be on a desert island it's one of the discs i would bring with me no questions asked because a i just enjoy it as much as i do and b um I, because i keep hearing all this new stuff every time i hear it i just think it's totally um something that i would continue to listen to in perpetuity so 9.5 for me desert island album and i'm I'm glad that i made you listen to it i am too uh before we get to uh the album for next week just a couple of news and notes that i think are worthwhile uh before we get to some tour news vince neal of motley crew uh, fell off stage uh on friday october 15th at the monsters of the mountain festival in tennessee apparently he was really seriously hurt um i've heard that he's okay but it was apparently there was like a gap between a speaker and the stage that he didn't see and he kind of fell into the floor have to hope that he's okay just because um i you know i get not the biggest motley crew fan but i did see them live and i, I do appreciate some of that older material uh, it, lately, it feels like it's a rite of passage. Uh, I think uh, Steven Tyler and Dave Grohl, amongst uh, many others, have also fallen off the stage. So uh, I think Dave Grohl even um, came back the next show and just like sat in a chair with his foot in a cast on a chair and just was like, you know, I'm still going to play. Uh, yeah, Dave Grohl I, being I remember the, that. the epic but man that he is. But uh, yeah. The consummate rock star. I, I don't think that Vince Neil will be sitting there just singing. Um, if you've seen any of the live performance clips of him in recent years, well, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, some tour news, just uh, a bunch of tours announced this week, many of which are really interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, the first one, Cannibal Corpse, uh, one of the longest running death metal bands is basically starting a U.S. headlining tour uh, with a bunch of other bands on their metal blade label, including right Cha- uh, Whitechapel, Revocation, and I think the opening band on this tour is, um, well, the name escapes me, but it's a, it's a, you know, the consummate metal, uh, death metal tour, uh, that's going on. Oh, Shadow of Intent, uh, that they, they're hitting the road on February 18th. The show starts at center stage in, in Atlanta. I don't know if you've ever been there, but the show starts in center <laughs> stage of Atlanta and, uh, goes for about a month and a half into, uh, Fort Lauderdale when they make their way back to the Southeast. Um, yeah, I believe um, Nops is planning on uh, following their their tour um, up and down the, the eastern seaboard and then uh, heading big back fan to Florida at the end. No, no, no <laughs> question about that. Uh, two other tours that I think he may have more of an interest in. Nightwish uh, finally going on a 10-day run in May of next year uh, with a bunch of shows with uh, Beast in Black, which I am just stoked about. I don't know how else to say it, but... Beast in Black, yeah. That's- yeah, as, mu- as much as I'm a fan of Nightwish, and I'm a huge fan of Nightwish, I'm actually more excited to see Beast in Black live for the first time. I am absolutely in agreement there. Uh, I know they come to New York on May 8th. I will not miss that show. Yeah, I, I, I will be there, too. Yeah, I look forward to that. Um, that that's going to be a good one, for sure. A, a short tour, but they're playing some bigger venues. 
And then the other tour, uh, Prog Metal Dream right here with two bands that we've actually covered in the archives. Symphony X and Haken are going out on a run of about 25 or 24 shows or something like that. And that show is kicking off, that tour is kicking off in New York City as well, two days after Nightwish on May 10th. Um, I have not seen Symphony X live in some time. I've gotten really bored of their set lists. I think that they've concentrated way too much on the newer material. But being that this is a 25th anniversary show, I'm hoping that they kind of go back a little bit and play some of that older stuff that I that I miss and that I used to see a lot when I was seeing them around 2000, 2002. Uh, that's going to be a prog metal dream tour right there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if that would be something that I would go out of my way to travel for, but I figure if I'm going to be in New York to see Nightwish two days before that, might as well go to that too. No arguments for me. I look forward to it. And uh, that brings us to the end of this week. What am I listening to next week? Well, before we do that, um, I wanted to talk to you about this this news item that came out that John Bush from Armored Saint was uh, considered to be the singer for Metallica um, ahead of James Hetfield back in the day, and he turned yes. it down. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned this because it kind of slipped my mind. How different would things have been if if Bush, and no offense to Hetfield, I think John Bush is an incredible singer. And I don't, I mean, I can't imagine Metallica reaching bigger heights with, with, with Bush. But at the same time, he's such, he's got such a good voice and, and he just makes some of those armored saint discs and even the anthrax disc, which I, which I, which I kind of forced you to listen to uh, maybe rehabilitating that band a little bit for you. What could have been with these guys with, with Bush kind of fronting and letting just James and, and Kirk kind of go nuts in the, in the background or Dave Mustaine at that point, um, how different things could have been. Have you heard the, um, there's a clip of John singing for the four horsemen with Metallica, which is really cool. I, uh, I have not heard that. You have to send that to me. I need to hear that. I will do that. Um, I think you will appreciate that quite a bit. I, I have not heard that. I am going to, <laughs> as soon as we are done, I'm going to listen to that because I'm that excited and curious to hear it. But, um, again, what could have been, what could have been, um, and what could be next week when I, when I sit down and I have to, um, pay attention to a new album. Um, I don't think you're gonna have to pay too close of attention <laughs> because I think this is one that we both uh, know quite well. But there's a reason why I, I I'm choosing this album. Okay, and, uh, I just sent you that that John Bush clip. So Thank you. Thank enjoy you. that. Um, so next week is going to be almost one year to the day that we uh, recorded or not recorded, but um, posted our very first episode of the metal exchange. Uh, and we talked about fate's warning inside out album, which I believe was, um, I think I had the first choice and, you um, did. you did. And that was kind of the beginning of it. And I remember we actually re-recorded the entire episode because, um, I don't know, I guess we weren't happy with the qual- the sound quality initially. So we kind of like, I don't know if anybody really realized that we were kind of rehashing all the same stuff we had already talked about the day before, but, um, so that episode dropped on October 26th, 2020, and a week from, uh, I guess the date, a week from Monday would be, will be the, uh, the 25th. So almost one year to the day, almost one year to the day. So I thought, why not go back and talk about Fate's Warning again? So, um, I think awesome. I would like to talk about the album that preceded Inside Out Parallels, which came out in 1991. And uh, I'm not saying that we're going to do a Fate's Warning album every year on the anniversary of the podcast, but um, for I, I really hadn't come up 
with anything to, to go over. And, and as I was thinking about it, um, I, I just thought that would be kind of a nice little, uh, a little shout out to, to the anniversary. I know we, we've already passed our, our 50, 50th episode mark, but, um, this is another little, uh, no, a little milestone that I thought we could celebrate by go- going back and listening to the band that we started with. I love it. I think that's a great choice. Um, I love Fate's Warning. But at the same time, I, I don't – I'll say this. Some Fate's Warning albums I think are more complete than others. Is this one of the complete ones? Uh, we will let you know next week when we come back. Um, but it's it's definitely good to revisit them and um, – I don't know that I've listened to them since we recorded the podcast last time in terms of just, it's probably been about a year since I've heard, heard me some face warning. So it'll be good to circle back to them for sure. So excellent choice. Uh, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, please give us a like and a follow. We are loving the engagement, which is increased uh, with the private messages and some of the emails that we've received. Chat with us, chat with other fans of the show. I think you'll definitely enjoy it. Leave us a review. I think that that definitely helps other people find the show. It's been a while since we've gotten one, but we know you're listening. So definitely, definitely let us, uh, let, let us know and let us help other people find the show because, um, that's what keeps us going. And obviously we're enjoying what we're doing. We think you are enjoying it as well because the numbers of people listening is definitely going up each week. But we would uh, like to see other people, you know, hear the show as well that may not have uh, discovered us, even though it's been a year. So with that, enjoy the week, and uh, we will look forward to some Fates Warning next week. Sounds good, my friend. Take it easy, bud. Talk soon. Take care.